This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I hope you're all having a wonderful start to the week. The AMA question that I'm answering from this week is from a listener named Sabrina. She says, Hi Liv, I'm new to fashion. Do you have any tips on building your closet and how to afford it? This is such a great question because I feel like every day I walk into a store or I go onto a website and things are just getting more and more expensive. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it's so crazy out there right now that I can totally understand how it can be so blindsiding to what we actually need in our closets. Now, I've talked a lot about building your dream closet, and to me, it's always been about investing in your basics. Your basics are what is going to get you through your everyday life. A good pair of jeans, the perfect white tee, a great sneaker, a jacket, a cashmere sweater. Things that you love, you can wear over and over again, mix around, and that just make you feel really good. For me, my fashion life is not about dressing up in these big moments where, you know, I try something really crazy and I wear a lot of color or I wear something extravagant. My fashion life is in the everyday. It's what makes me feel really good and helps me get through my day. So I really recommend that you find those basics that make you feel the same. Little tip, I would say stay away from brands like Zara and H&M and stuff like that. Anytime I've ever gone there, I walk in and I'm like, oh my God, I'm finding so many things. Like this is such a steal. But I wear it three or four times and then I can never wear it again because it's either unraveling or the quality is just not great. That's just my piece of advice if you're really trying to build a good sustainable closet. Go one step up. I love Aritzia. You guys know I've talked about Aritzia a thousand times on this show. It's where I buy 80% of the perfect basics in my closet that I've had for over five years. I love how much wearability I get out of them. They have perfect tees, slacks, denim, jackets, sweaters. You can really get anything. Also, like brands like J. Crew, Madewell, these brands that are just one step up, but you're really investing in the quality and longevity of your closet. So that's my tip. I would say really focus on those basics. Find things that you love and make you feel really good because you can always grow from there. A really good style tip that I have if you're just getting into fashion, everyone loves a jean, a white tee, a gorgeous bag, and a loafer. It's so simple and you can really play around with the accessories to make it more fashion forward. But at the end of the day, those basics are your canvas to do whatever you want with afterwards. I hope that was helpful. As always, my DMs are always open. And if you want your question asked on the show, leave it in the reviews and I will answer it live. Let's get into today's guest. She's someone who you probably all know and absolutely love, but you might not know this other side of her. Today, I'm joined by Mary Lawless Lee, who has shared her life with her community of over 3 million followers for the past 12 years years. She's now introducing herself like never before with a new memoir called Happily Gray. Stories, souvenirs, and everyday wonders from the life in between. Part memoir, part pathfinder, and life guide, the book goes behind her curated life with intimate stories like her first career as an ICU nurse, her marriages, 
her journey to motherhood, and so much more, all while providing the pearls that she's discovered along the way. It's filled with recipes, playlists, how she recovered from an eating disorder, wedding day jitters, and everything in between. In this episode, Mary and I talk about how she reconnected with her inner child and all the work that she did to be able to reflect on her upbringing. We talk about the gift of evolution and the therapeutic process of documenting her life. I hope you guys love today's episode. Mary's book is coming out tomorrow, which is so exciting. It's available for pre-order now. I linked it in the show description. Please go buy it. I know you guys are going to love it. If you haven't followed our show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you follow us, rate, and I'd love it if you left a review. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing week ahead, everyone. Here's my friend, Mary Lawless Lee. This is so exciting because you're launching your first book. I know that you've been so under the weather. You're pregnant, but how are you feeling in general besides those two really amazing things? Well, not so amazing about the cold, but pregnancy. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's this season is exciting and it's also equally terrifying and overwhelming. But like, I mean, I've been working the last two years to get to this point. So I keep reminding myself, like, enjoy it. Don't let like the stress and the worry and the feelings of overwhelm, like, take over because this is supposed to be like, you know, the, the, like the really sweet period of getting to finally be able to share it. So it's fun. I mean, like we're, we're in it now. It's, it's like, it's here. I'm so happy for you guys. Oh my God. Navy is like a big, big sister now. I know she's over the moon. She's like thrilled and just swears it's going to be a girl. And it's like, so ready, so ready to have a little baby to like just mother around. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. I loved the book. I messaged you right after I read it and I was like, this felt like a giant hug because it truly uh, did. I felt like I know you as a friend and I know you also someone as that I admire from a career perspective, but this felt so true to you. It felt like I read everything and I was like, oh my God, I feel like I met this whole other side of Mary, but it made sense. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was such a natural extension of you. And There were so many moments in the book that I was really inspired by and could tell that you've done so much work on yourself to get to this point to be able to share what you've shared Mm. in the book. I loved reading all these moments about your childhood, about, you know, fishing with your dad and your brother. And at the end of the book, you write about this new practice that you have where you write a letter to your younger self. Mm. It feels like this really beautiful full circle thing to be so able to reflect on your childhood like that and also so willing to engage with that other side of your life, I think is a really powerful thing. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the inner child work that you did to bring this book to life because it is so much of the story of you growing up. So I love that you like just hit on like the chapter one and chapter 12 because like the beginning and the end, but there's so much connection there because that's really where it started. And it was, it was reconnecting with chapter one is what allowed me to write chapter 12. And so of any two chapters in the book, those two chapters like marry the the best together and really hold a lot of like significance and meaning in comparison to each other. So going back to chapter one, I will say chapter one was like the most joyful chapter for me to write. Like I, even like when I'm talking about it now, like my face lights up because some of those memories and those feelings were before, you know, as adults, like a lot of that wonder and that, that thrill of the, you know, curiosity and kind of like the unknown escapes us. And as a child, like you just don't, you don't, those memories are untainted by that. They're, they're blissfully happy and 
there's kind of like no boundaries with them. And so writing that chapter felt really playful. It felt really joyful. It felt very freeing. And that's the underlying meaning behind this entire book is getting back to that place of childlike wonder of reconnecting to our inner child. And, you know, that's, that's not an easy path. And it actually, this book kind of broke me in that sense of, I wrote the first part of this book and I had to stop because one thing is, you know, I always kind of approach everything with like intensity, like let's push through, let's do this, let's do this. But this process is not like that by any means. And writing the first part of this book and this kind of underlying theme being like learning about getting back to the sense of childlike wonder, I kind of felt like I was at this stopping point halfway through. Like I didn't know, I just, I didn't have it to give. And I actually took a break and took five days off and went to this inpatient program called Onsite, which is 60 miles outside of Nashville. And a lot of the work you do at Onsite is about reconnecting to your inner child, recentering, going back in time and, and like really connecting with those moments. Cause like inner child is like, it's, it's right brain. It's emotional. It's creative. It's subconscious memory you know, and it's those gut instincts. And a lot of times that's what escapes us. And I felt like when I was writing this book, I was in it, I was in it. And then it kind of started to get heavier and heavier. And, you know, I think I needed that time to reflect and those reminders to like really get back in it because it's hard work. There's a lot of good exercises you can do around getting to know your inner child and reconnecting with them. And so those five days without a phone, without anyone I knew, I knew you're in a room with seven other people who are all there with kind of the same purpose and goal reconnecting. And it just was like groundbreaking, groundbreaking. I'm so thankful that to have the resources to be able to go do that because it, it's what really got me through the second part of this book, because writing this book was very therapeutic. It was very hard. I went back in time with a lot of stories that were you know the hardest parts, the hardest challenges of my life. And so that really kind of pushed me over that hurdle to reconnect with that little girl, that 10-year-old version of Mary. And we went through some exercises, kind of like peeling back those layers and and, and you know staying in that moment of wonder and curiosity and honesty and finding those moments of joy through all of it. But Motherhood has definitely reconnected me to my inner child more than anything, anything else in this world. I became a mother three years ago and getting to see, you know, your own child experiencing these different simple wonders of the world really does put it in perspective. And it brings this like awakening and awareness to those feelings you had as a little girl. And so that was a huge wake up call three years ago, but it's ongoing work and on site going to on site during this process of writing the book is an example of, you know, like how you do have to like dedicate the time and the awareness to making sure you're continuously feeding into that, that practice and that work, because it's not, it doesn't come naturally to us. I talk about in the book, one of the exercises, well, one of the exercises in chapter 12 is writing yourself your younger self a letter. And I wrote her a letter and it just, it really does help you reconnect to those joyful moments, those like bliss of uncertainty and the unpaved way and go back and like find that childlike wonder. It's really beautiful. We'll be right back after the break. 
I have a rule that I always follow, but especially during the holidays, and that's to never show up empty-handed. Whether I'm going to a celebration, a birthday, or maybe just even a dinner party, I think it's just the nicest gesture to always bring something with you to thank your hosts or to just show that you went that extra mile. When I was living in New York City, there was one place that I went to all the time for every gift. It became my staple, and it was Milk Bar. And now you don't just have to live in New York to do that because Milk Bar's desserts are now shipping nationwide. James Beard award-winning celebrity chef Christina Tosi first opened Milk Bar in 2008 in New York City, and she's been shaking up the dessert scene ever since with her unique spin on iconic flavors. And there is nothing better that you could have on your holiday table this season. It's the perfect gift for anyone and everyone in your life. Just in time for Thanksgiving, for a limited time, Milk Bar is offering their delicious new pumpkin milk bar pie, apple cider donut cake, and apple cider donut truffles. And if you act fast, you can also get your hands on their seasonal lab drop, a pumpkin coffee cake cake made in limited batches straight from their experimental kitchen. It's also never too early to plan ahead. Place an order today to secure your treats and receive your desserts just in time for Thanksgiving. But if you waited last minute and you need desserts ASAP, they also offer fast, even overnight nationwide delivery. Basically, Milk Bar has our backs this holiday season. Right now, Milk Bar has a special limited time offer. You'll get $15 off any order over $80 or more when you go to milkbarstore.com friend. You'll get 15 bucks off any order of $80 by going to milkbarstore.com backslash friend. Again, that's milkbarstore.com backslash friend. Now let's get back to the show. Inner child work is deeply fascinating to me. It's something I'm mm. a little, I think a lot of people are scared to dive into it, myself included. Sure. There are so many things that I feel like, I don't know, maybe that I, just like disclaimer, I had a wonderful childhood. Like mm-hmm. it was so positive. I grew up with four sisters. You know, my parents were together. I lived up, I grew up in a wonderful household, like zero complaints. But there are so many things that are so indicative, I think of myself today, that you just completely maybe accept as like parts of you that have like come about with adulthood. But like I watched E.T. for Halloween, but E.T. is a Halloween movie, a hundred percent. Like <laughs> I watch it every year. I love it. And I'm sitting at my house and I finished the movie and I am hysterically sobbing. Like mm. not just like a tear rolling down my face in, I am like in hysterics. And it dawned on me that I hadn't seen this movie since I was younger. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that I wasn't just crying about the, the fact that E.T. left. I was crying because I had such a deep connection to this movie as a child. And as I was watching the movie, I felt like subconsciously triggered by things that I just haven't connected with in so long. And it takes little moments, visceral moments like that, whether you're watching a movie or listening to a song that kind of remind you, oh, wow, like maybe there's just like this emotional connection that I'm not paying attention to that my mm-hmm. body needs to feel sometimes. One really good exercise that I learned in onsite is putting a, p- a picture of whatever your, your inner child age is. So like mine was eight, I was like eight to 10 range. just like how I like picture her and connecting with her, putting a picture of that little girl in your mirror at like whatever mirror you use the most. And it just reminds you there's, there's like an awareness there to like connect emotionally. It makes me be a little easier on myself, give myself a little Absolutely. bit more grace. And especially as women right there in a mirror, like right when you're looking at your own physical self, it's this emotional awareness that really, it really does connect you. And it help it helps me get through the day to day. Like when I'm the most connected to my inner child, it helps me make the best decisions, be the most emotionally aware. And also like 
the best mother I can today, like in whatever my world looks like now, it helps me stay the most connected. And I can always tell like when things aren't, it always kind of comes back to that work. This necklace actually is after I left on site, one of the goals I had was to purchase a piece of jewelry that reminded me of my inner child. And this is a big mushroom and a little mushroom. I was going to say there. Yeah. Mm. looks like mushrooms. So cute. I've, I've always loved mushrooms. They've always like held this like really special place in my heart and even as a kid. And so when I did some of that deep work at onsite, it kind of brought me back to mushrooms just kept, kept coming back up to me. So there's all different ways you can reconnect, but it's just like really important really, really great work to do. And a lot of that kind of comes out through this book. That's really cool, Mary. I'm so glad that you did that. I'm just glad that I had the opportunity. You know, I've heard so I've heard of so many people that have gone to onsite to do that. And it was such a great refresher. And I mean, but this work for me started like 10 years ago when going through, I, I talk about my book, struggling with an eating disorder and my journey with this work began when I started kind of doing a lot of that work. So it's amazing. It's very healing. This book t- brought us through so many chapters of your life, some that I didn't even know. <laughs> you got married at 22. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, the birth of Navy, so many different things, even, you know, your nursing days. It was so amazing to see because I feel like I've seen these things through your Instagram, but to hear them directly from you in a way that feels a little bit more anecdotal. To me, something I struggle with is like going on Instagram and only seeing maybe like an Instagram story about something that might be really important to someone or an Instagram caption. And it just feels very, sometimes for me, it can feel very fleeting for things that feel really monumental to our lives. So for you, Mm -hmm. you know, going through all these chapters, you already share so much of your life on Instagram. What made you want to share these in such a physical, tangible way? So, okay. So this is, I, I love this question because I've, I've always struggled with this. So With Instagram, I like, I want to be able to like connect with this community, but then I also want this like boundary of privacy too. I've, I've never been one of these that I'm going to go in and just spill it all, but I also want people to see both sides. I want people to know that like, not everything is, looks like this pretty picture. The beauty of the journey is the good with the bad. And so for me, I've always struggled with, you know, broadcasting something very vulnerable and private on social media just kind of felt like I was like communicating it without the connection. Like Ooh, if that I, was good, that kind of just gave me chills because it's, it is it, true. Sometimes you feel like you're speaking to a void and yeah. it's great when you get a response back and you get that validation, but you are just communicating yeah. and hoping for connection. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that is like, when we step into vulnerability and we step into that, those moments, we are all looking to connect, right? Like we all want acknowledgement for what we've been through, what we, uh, what we've gone through, struggled with because we're looking to connect with other people. And it's kind of twofold. I know there's a place for it on social media because I know I feel relief when I read honesty and truth and other women saying like, Hey, me too. But it also needs to be in a way that, you know, feels safe and that, in that you feel like you can step into the vulnerability because that community is there. And this just felt like the safest way and the safest place for me to put these stories to hopefully open and up the opportunity for connection and community. Sometimes my approach can be so like, you know, like go, go, go next, next. And I think if anything, this book has taught me patience and consistency, just like 
staying in it, staying focused, but I'm not always like the solutions, the, the, the narrative, the answer isn't always just going to just be there. I have to stay patient and, and keep a curious mind and, you know, it'll eventually it will come. So such a hard lesson in life, really. We'll be right back after the break. So I really don't love daylight savings, but I love that it gets darker earlier because that means that I can put my PJs on earlier. And with the holidays right around the corner, I am all about my holiday PJs. A company that I love that I found is Printfresh. It is a woman-owned luxury sleepwear and lifestyle brand made for the lovers of pattern and seekers of whimsical. So if you're someone who's looking for something a little bit cooler than a black or white PJ, this is for you. I have a pair of PJs that are candy cane inspired, and I absolutely love them. They're just so much fun and perfect for the holidays. They recently launched their Print Fresh Holiday Shop. It's a curated collection of cozy must-have gifts for making spirits bright. Plus, Print Fresh has the best stocking stuffers. You will definitely win big on Christmas. Created by textile designer and fashion entrepreneur Amy Velotion, festive-inspired prints are brought to life on organic cotton loungewear, the comfiest, and statement-making home decor that is full of personality. Whether you're shopping for your family, friends, or a partner, give the gift of comfort and joy and shop early for the perfect printed present. They have sizes from extra small to 6X, free exchanges, and all new accessories. So holiday shopping has truly been made effortless this season. Plus, they have a discount for you guys because warm wishes and even cozier sleepwear are ahead. The perfect fun and festive style is just a click away. So go explore the Print Fresh Holiday Shop today. You'll go to printfresh.com backslash friend or use the code FRIEND for 15% off your first order. See what's in store for the season and snag your gift early. Now let's get back to the show. I think the thing that I really loved about this book was the fact that you talk about life being in the gray areas. It's not just the highs and lows. It's not just the blacks and whites. And I loved it because it just obviously tied so perfectly into Happily Gray. But it was a beautiful way to also position a book. You kind of made it like a scrapbook, which I appreciated a lot because I loved hearing about these obviously memorable moments in, of your life sprinkled mm-hmm. in with these little things that kept you going, whether it was your mom's Sunday roast or, of course, how to cut a perfect denim pair of pants. I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey into finding life in the gray areas, because I don't think a lot of people know how to appreciate that the way that you do. And, yeah. you know, something that I've always been told, and my mom says this to me all the time, like life is like the ocean. It's not always just about the waves coming in. It's about what happens in between the sets. And I feel like you so beautifully encompass that in this book. And I'd love to just hear about your journey into that. I love this question because this is really like the heart of Happily Gray. And even the reason why Happily Gray came to be in the first place 12 years ago. So I, I grew up really black and white, you know, small town, very traditional conservative views. And life was kind of presented as black or white, this way or that way. You either fit into this box or you don't fit at all. And, you know, I think I grew up with that mentality for so long that once I finally left my house, started college, my whole world just, I went to UT Austin, which Austin at that point was like a huge cultural leap, diversity, like all of things. Like I was experiencing so much. And those few years to me were just like this, this discovery of, wait, this doesn't make sense. And I don't know how to make it make sense. And this person doesn't fit this mold. And this doesn't, it was me discovering that not everything is adds up to like be perfectly fit in this shape and, and look this way. And I found so much relief that life did, wasn't all black and white. I found so much relief in knowing that 
this is really gray and I don't understand. And that's okay. Like I can still stay in this space and be curious and not have to have the plan fully figured out. And I found a lot of beauty in that. And furthermore, I, so my background's in nursing. I worked in critical care for seven years. And Which, when by I, the way, quickly was, was my favorite chapter. And I'm sure uh, so many people are going to say the that. same. I can already sense it. I love that. I love that. Well, my gratitude towards those seven years of my life, like immense, immense, like the most impactful seven years of my life and getting to work in critical care as an, as a new grad, it just blew my world open. I was so close to life and death. And when I was working with these patients, again, it came, it came up like, you're not promised, like in ICU, you're kind of like nurses know everything. And then, and you have all this control and then you don't have control at, at all. And you're not promised one moment to the next. And it was this gray area of life. And it just taught me so, so much being able to be that close to the human spirit and the human body and understand that life, you know, death can be just as beautiful as life. And it just was such a, those seven years really just gave me such true gratitude and true grit for life in itself and just my outlook and not realizing that the beauty sometimes lies in not knowing. So that kind of like spurred me back into like a creative joy that I love. Writing is something I've always loved. And I paid my best, one of my best friends, $50 to create happilygray.com. And that was the meaning of it was because I found the gray to be my happy place, my kind of like freedom and place of creativity. And so that was really the inspiration behind even 12 years ago, creating the happily gray. And now really the heart of this book is the gray space, the unknown, the, just the, the beauty of it not having to be one way or the other. It's so amazing to hear you talk about your childhood in this way, because even just hearing the way that you were raised, you know, Sundays were about going to church. The denim short shorts were not really acceptable. <laughs> and you compare to your life today, which feels like so out of any traditional mold as, you know, someone on social media creating content already that in of itself, like is such an incredible feat because it's not mm-hmm. something that's ever been done in the past before. To now hear you say about you know, say that stepping out of a mold was not something that was even accessible to you. It's pretty amazing to hear how far you stepped out. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and going after your dreams, despite what maybe Mm -hmm. you were taught as a kid to kind of fit into something that felt a little bit more traditional? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I have so much, I have such a deep appreciation for my childhood. I, I, like you were saying earlier, I had an amazing childhood and I mean, growing up running in pastures of like with cows and fields and ponds, it was beautiful. And I'm, I'm very thankful for, you know, the morals and values my parents instilled. But I think that, you know, the real beauty and progression and like what we're supposed to do is evolve, right? Like growth and evolution. We're not meant to stay in all, you know, to, in this box and to always look and be the same. And you know, there's a lot of things in my childhood that I had to do to break in the break in the change if I was ever going to like have a better outlook for my kids. And so wow. I think like, you know, this journey is about evolution. It's the reason why I didn't stay in my first marriage. And that was like that, that moment in my life where and probably the best example of not 
not staying on the the path and not checking all the boxes of realizing like I'm changing and I'm evolving and my heart is open and I want to learn about new things. And I think that's, you know, that's what I tell my daughters, the most important thing. Like I want her to stay curious and to have an open mind with whatever, you know, she's approaching. And so, yeah, I think it's not easy, but that's like where you find true happiness. And I talk about in my book where the moment where we stop evolving and we stop changing is really the true heartbreak of it all. So it was definitely hard, but I think going through that divorce and finally for the first time, taking a leap in that direction really, really like gave me a lot of security and confidence that, Hey, I can do this. Like I can make, I can make this decision and keep my mind open and and not necessarily have a plan and that's okay. Curiosity for me has been such a gift, like following Mm -hmm. it, making sure that I'm always like keeping that spark alive, always exploring something new, asking questions. Mm -hmm. I find that times where I felt at my lowest are when I'm not tapping into that, whether it's, you know, meeting a friend, hearing about their life or watching a documentary and diving into that or making a huge life change. You know, you I think everybody knows that instinctual feeling. You feel it in your gut that something's Mm -hmm. not right for you and you feel I like almost find that those two things are they overlap like my gut will tell me something's not right. And it will also tell me to be curious about something else. Mm-hmm. It's that like same butterfly feeling. That's that your inner child, like <laughs> speaking to you and, and telling you to like, listen to that is such like having that awareness is so good. There's something I wrote in my journal, which this is making me think of this like years and years ago, a lot of writing this book was referencing old journals. And I was like 18, I guess it was like over a decade ago, I said, keep your eyes wide open. There's so much more to see than what you're looking for. Like we think we know what the agenda is and what the plan is, but so often I'm reminded that it's usually, here's like the plan, but it's usually like something over here that I discover that ends up, you know, being the solution or the light or whatever it is. It's hardly ever what I think that it's going to be, you know? We'll be back after the break. We all know what it feels like to think that you're quote unquote stuck at a current job. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're never stuck. We love growing. We love evolving and making a change can be worth the risk if you're unhappy. That's why I want to tell you about Sabio, a female owned and operated coding bootcamp and developer community. At Sabio, you'll graduate ready to start a real high paying job in tech in just 17 weeks of remote learning. Sabio prepares you with real-life experiences and confidence that you need to succeed in tech. Actually, finding a job is part of the full program, so there's no need to feel intimidated by starting a job search in a completely new field. They'll set you up for success. Plus, there are so many different types of tech jobs you can go into right now, so there's something for everyone, like a user experience designer, marketing specialist, or even social media tech jobs, which is something that I get asked about all the time. Sabio has alumni working at notable companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and more. And they've actually been voted the best coding bootcamp by Course Report five years in a row. Plus, Sabio is extremely affordable. They offer a women in tech scholarship with $5,500 off the total cost of tuition. If you want to move careers, now is the time. Move it with Sabio. Visit my special URL, sabio.la backslash friend, to learn how you can qualify for the $5,500 women in tech scholarship. That's sabio, S-A-B-I-O dot L-A backslash friend. Don't wait. You can change your career today. Go to sabio.la backslash friend today to learn more. Now let's get back to the show. 
You just mentioned journaling, which I am, this is something I'm really interested in and just super curious about. And reading this book, I could tell, obviously we talked about inner child work, but how much documentation Mm -hmm. needs to go into a process like this. And it's something that I think I'm really fascinated by today because I think you and I are like professional documenters. Like that's what we do. Like we're archivists almost in a way of our lives. And that process to me is, in my opinion, different for everybody. So I'd love to hear a little bit about yours. I know that you journal. Does that something that even like bleeds into social media and the way that you tell stories online? Like what is your output process? I started journaling when I was little. I would like my parents would catch me up in my room after I was supposed to be in bed, like at 1 a.m. journaling and writing. For me, it's it's a passion. It's a creative outlet. And it's now it's kind of a sense of therapy in a way. It's where I kind of come for like peace and relief. But I will say this, journaling is, can be so awkward and so weird because beyond. Yeah. It's you and your own <laughs> words. And so it's actually a lot harder than what people assume it to be when they're just like, yeah, I'm going to start journaling because it's a very honest practice. There's no one else. It's just you and you have to face your feelings. And so I kind of, I, depending on where I am in my life, like this has changed and evolved over the years, but right now I write three times a week and always come back to writing. And it doesn't have to be four pages, but it can literally just be a paragraph. Like, so there's, I have like kind of sense of perimeters around it, but the main, the main point is being consistent with it, making sure that I'm consistent three times a week. And whether that means I have 10 minutes before I go to bed, or if I actually do, like I, I journal a lot in the tub because that's like also Ooh, I love that my self-care moment after kids go down, like at eight 30 or so I'll take 30 minutes in journal. And I just try to make sure three times a week. And you know what, what inspires me to keep doing this, even when I feel like I don't have the time and I don't have the, like the bandwidth is the reflection point. So much of my journaling journey is going back and reading old journals and kind of like like a lot of times when I'm in a hard season, I will flip back to the year before and reflect back on where I was one year prior and I will see growth. I'll see like evolution or maybe I won't, maybe I'll see like, you know, there's just so much to learn retrospectively from, you know, keeping a, a, keeping like an emotional tab on you. So that's why it feels like therapy. It feels healing. It feels very peaceful to me. And I actually, in my book, I talk about, because it is such a weird practice. It can be kind of like daunting to even know where to start. I have some prompts in my book that I talk about that I always actually go back to because sometimes when I sit down to journal, I don't have like something that just comes to mind. Like I might not have something heavy on my heart. Some of those questions, I, I have them here with me. When's the last time you trusted yourself? What made you laugh today? Whom do you miss? Where do you feel the most at peace? What do you need to feel safe today? Why are you proud of yourself? There's like 10 of them, but those are a few of them. But if I don't know what to write or which direction to go, I'm kind of just like blank. This is, I, I will choose three of these and I'll answer those three questions and it never fails. It, they always kind of like prompt me into whatever it is I need to like, whatever direction I need to go. I love that. I always say that journaling is showing up for yourself because oh, all I you can that. do is sit down and just write how you feel. And for mm-hmm. me, I think I shared this on another episode, but I'm such a visual person that journaling and like note taking has always been 
really hard for me. So even when I was in college and high school and I would take notes, like written notes, I would fixate on like the way that it looks. And it was very, um, that's just my personality. And about a month ago, I decided that I was going to get a written notebook to write everything down in. And it would be the first step of challenging myself to not be so obsessive over the aesthetic of something and Uh just kind of relinquish control a little bit. And so I really, I admire journaling so much. It's something I want to get into a little bit more. I have like, I still have my written to-do list and it's been, (laughs) it's been going well. I'm really enjoying it. It feels like the start of maybe a better journaling practice for me. I actually can relate to the imperfections bothering you. I just, uh, I can relate to uh, that. So that's something that I've had to like get better at over the years. And so here's, here's one thing I'll say. So even like tearing apart my penmanship or like the way it looks and all this stuff, like I, that's what I would do. Yeah. So I stopped writing on lined paper. I will not buy a journal that it has lined paper. I only write on just like blank pages and some shiver that just went down my spine. That's so, <laughs> so brave. Something so brave. about that. It actually is more freeing and something about looking at a blank page. Like I don't have lines to write within. It might go this way. It might go something about that was like, it helped me get over the barrier of feeling like, Ooh, that didn't, that doesn't look as like perfectly blah, blah, blah. Like, that to me is like free is just seeing an open page. It's very inviting. I love that. I can't say I'm going to give that a try because (laughs) I already like my throat felt like it was closing, but maybe one day I'll get there. (laughs) Well, the book is about to be out. What is the number one thing that you want people to take away from it after they read it? This book was written for women and, and a lot of the experiences that we go through, particularly as women. So more than anything, I hope that women feel seen and understood. I hope that they feel like they're not alone in whatever path or journey that they're on. I think that's the biggest part of me stepping into the vulnerability and kind of peeling back some of these layers and and hopefully opening the door for some of these conversations is I just hope other women find relief in, you know, me saying like, Hey guys, me too. I've been there and you're not alone in that journey. Mary, I'm so proud of you. This is so exciting. Yeah. I like can't wait for people to have it. And just hearing more about your journey into writing this was so special. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. And thank you for sharing the book as well. It's such a gift. And I'm, again, so proud of you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I've, I've always been a mega fan of yours and how genuine and kind mm-hmm. and real you are. It's refreshing in this industry. And I just love all the work thank that you're you. doing. I'm so happy to oh, be here. Thanks. I'm usually the one spewing compliments on the show. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.